What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. A Playlist Original Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. Draw on your eyeliner and put on your fingerless gloves because today we're talking about Avril Lavigne. Olivia, let's start with you. I feel like we start with you. You're the person whose childhood was shaped by the pop punk princess. Why do you think that? What, wait, what, about, what about me says Avril Lavigne? Because like we've never discussed this before. I don't know. It. So Listen. Why do you think that? I don't, I don't know. But I just know that... There is like a certain tongue type of girl boy angst that I feel like you prop that probably would have resonated with you a lot in your youth. And I really see you jamming into your in your bedroom as like what a seven year old, eight year old to Avril Lavigne when it first came out, and you just like wearing your skater shoes and like your you know those bangle bracelets like when you wore like a million bangle bracelets that that period of time and your tie with no collar all right we'll stop there i just up until I then see that i had felt you. i felt really really seen i loved having with <laughs> she's a big influence of mine not a joke well i felt like i got so much pushback on that comment but you just wanted me to justify it I see. Well, I, I see think I liked is. where it ended, other than the the neckties. Mm-hmm. I never went for the necktie. I certainly owned a spiky belt at some point. I definitely went for under eye eyeliner, which thankfully is pretty was well it, dead. Um, <laughs> it was a huge mistake then. I told the Oprah interview because mistake now. Well, I'm gonna be honest. A lot of people were pointing out that Meghan Markle had some underlying eyeliner going on, and it looked amazing on her. Um, okay. And there, I think we're. I think there might have been some some pop pump princesses noticing that and and giving it a, a pretty happy, a pretty pleased wink. So, I wouldn't say that the under eye eyeliner <laughs> is dead. Um, and it definitely works for some people. It did not work for me, uh, despite my best efforts. <laughs> I did yes, but no, certainly. Fashion, I didn't really stick around. I really liked black and pink at a time. I thought it was really cool. I definitely wanted to be edgy, but I was, um, I don't know. Not edgy? A chubby Catholic schoolgirl who also sang in the choir like Avril Lavigne. So I really wasn't edgy, but I did have a spiky belt for sure. I never was able to rock the extremely low rise jeans. That never really was in my past, present, or future. That's and which pretty, is that's just for the best. I, I'm just like when the low rise jean died, it was a very happy day, you know? I definitely think that the flat iron, um, extremely pinned straight hair was something I, I definitely adhered to. And it definitely was Avril inspired as well. Yeah. As far as teenage or, or sorry, probably preteen angst is more accurate. I didn't really have a lot of that, but I wanted to. Felt like it would probably make me interesting. So it was certainly aspirational. And that did resonate with me in that I admired it. 
but not that I actually emulated it. So that's me and Avril Lavigne. Olivia hates Avril Lavigne. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I definitely don't hate her. But I feel like my the time that I spent most with Avril Lavigne was in was in drama school, actually, listening because we had like different weeks where we'd have to present like pop songs and um, like Avril Lavigne's songs are like do lend themselves quite well to like musical theater pop style, um, like that kind of like rock, but it has like kind of a story in it, um, lends itself quite well to musical theater. So we got a lot of um, <laughs> Avril Lavigne sung as musical theater. If you know, like, which is hilarious when you think about like how, <laughs> what her like vibe is, you know? A lot of questions. Yeah. So maybe I'll- wait, what would the song, what would the song be that you would do like in a musical theater. Okay, um, I'm Can with you, you. Please do a little bit. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Maybe I'll try to record. I'll record a video and post it on our uh, Instagram of like Avril Lavigne as a musical theater song. It's. I think it would be hilarious. Um, so like, I'm with you. Great yeah. one. Um, also, and not keep- an easy song to sing. No, really tough. Um, and um, keep holding on. That's the song from the Aragorn soundtrack, is it? Yeah, it was also featured on, you know, the the Glee reality show. Yeah. It was like the song that they sang when you got voted off. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. Such a random obscure reverence, but um, yeah. But definitely one that was thrown around in drama school. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. Well, I don't know if I I was really in. I was really a Glee stan back in the OG days, but uh, Glee has not aged well. So, you know, we just, we we forget about that. It has not. But the Glee offshoot reality show has. So that's fine. Did she ever appear on Glee? I know she's made many a cameo in TV. You know, I don't, I don't think so. I I definitely didn't see it in my research for this episode. And I would have, it definitely would have caught my attention. Mm hmm. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, my experience with Avril Lavigne has been very different than yours, but um, but I did. I, I like you're a bit her, older I, than me too. I was I was at the right age. No, well, I think that I was, but like I was definitely like in in the age group. Like I had friends who were like huge Avril Lavigne stands, but I just like I wasn't that angsty teenager. Like I just didn't have like I like prided myself on being kind of like a goody two shoes preppy girl, and I was. I was very happy with that. So I just like didn't. And I just, some like, things never change. Yeah. Like I just like I wasn't like looking for uh, like an outlet for angst. Yeah. Avril Lavigne was, you know, was gave me the angst I never had and never had a reason to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but wanted. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Listen, I actually think I, I really like a lot of her music. And as I was researching for this episode, I was like, this is Bob. Another Bob. And the Bobs kept coming. And the Bobs. Yeah didn't stop okay (laughs) let's moving on let's start where we always start where are we gonna start katie avril lavigne was born in belleville but she did not grow up there where did she grow up avril lavigne was born in belleville but she didn't grow up there where did she grow up she grew up in napanee she grew up in napanee for those not familiar it's about an hour from kingston Maybe two hours from Ottawa. Mm. 
close to Belleville. Mm-hmm. All in the family of the 401. <laughs> All the family of the 401. She has an older brother called Matthew, younger sister called Michelle. Not unlike her contemporaries, she started singing in her church choir very young. Hmm. Um, otherwise, she really started singing. She really started with country music. She was really into the chicks. One of the, my favorite old clips I found of her um she, i think she did like a whole little show out of chapters in kingston ontario yeah yeah um, my favorite part of that is this the following clip of her singing wide open spaces I just think it's kind of funny how like so many, so many parents, I feel like probably have this story. Certainly my parents do where they heard you singing as a child and thought like, wow, there's really some talent there, but it's kind of funny when you like list, like when you hear the story, because apparently Mm -hmm. she was singing Jesus loves me at church. And really that was the impetus. But like, if you know the song, it's like the most unimpressive song that it's just like, it's kind of funny. Like, it's like, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's that performance is on the internet too. Does it scream future pop sensation to you? Like, no, no, it doesn't. (laughs) I think it goes to show too how like we all see, I'm sure lots of parents, see talent in their children even if other people can't see it mm-hmm. I know, that's something very like my mother said to me you know i just remember you were we were i was driving you girls to soccer and there are a bunch of you and i heard you were all singing along but your voice you know <laughs> i just think that's a very parent thing to be like yeah oh my kid is the special one yeah, I mean, Avril's parents ended up being correct, but I, I think it's very cute. But I think it's also kind of like a chicken the and the egg thing, right? Because it's like because probably they fostered that in her, it made it better and better, right? Um, to a place where if they hadn't, you know, maybe she wouldn't have gone on to be as successful as she was. So, you know, good for them for fostering the talent. And in 1999, she won a radio contest that let her perform with Shania Twain, who was one of her uh, influences. And so they sang together in Ottawa. And apparently Twain was quite complimentary of of Levine and told her that she was going to be famous one day. Wow. I know. So it's kind of... It was nice. It it does kind of make you think that too, doesn't it? You're like, oh, Shania... Let's talk about her getting properly discovered. Should mm-hmm. we? Let's do it. So, yeah, but at 15, she's appearing on stage with Shania Twain. By 16, she signs a two-album recording deal with Arista Records. Uh, she gets signed by famous, infamous music mogul L.A. Reid. <laughs> I say infamous. I don't know too much about him, but some of the quotes I pulled from him for this. Whoa. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, So 
supposedly she landed this deal with Arista. Reed saw her perform in Zizo, Zizo's studio one evening in December of 2001. He says, it was her voice and her songwriting, says Reed. She's a dynamite looking girl with an amazing attitude. Um, she was 16 at this point. Yeah. Apparently he like came in to listen to her and he was in a reportedly bad mood and she put him in a good mood. I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. I don't know what that means. I'm not going to dig further. Yeah. Um, I think this is in her first primetime interview I read. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got quotes as well. And LA Reed says, I think I think he was asked, you know, if it was all up to you, like how would you have if Avril didn't have this distinct style that she brought with herself, like what would you have done? And he says, I probably would have prettied her up, and you know, maybe the clothes would have been a little tighter, a little more revealing, you know, a little more sparkles going on, a little more bling bling. I'm telling you, I would have messed it up. Being normal is what's hot today, and the simple beat, the simple melody, the catchy hook line, everything is simple. Less is more. I mean, I feel like I get what he's getting at, but it's just not coming out great. It's not coming out great. Um, yeah, definitely commenting on like the body and clothes of a 16 year old is super cringy. But I also think it's offensive to her because um, it's like because she's not so bling bling and and she's dressing a little edgier or whatever that means that she's somehow normal. Um, and if you pay any attention to her, you know, she's just such an enormous talent, I think, especially at that age. Why are you laughing? I just, I don't know where you're going with it, but I'm waiting. Well, the idea that she's kind of the every woman is like, I think you, you watch those really young performance, like those performances of hers when she's 15 and 16 and she's like, she's commanding, you know, she's, Mm. she is a great singer. She's a huge talent. Um, I think it's it's funny that because she's not a Christina or Britney, she's like somehow normal when I don't think she's she's clearly not that at all. I yeah, but I definitely think that she's like got a more relatable um aesthetic. And I think her store like the way that she leans into where she's from as being like this small town girl. Small town, nice Canadian girl. Yeah, like I think is is just seems a little bit more like relatable to be honest and this is something that comes up a lot too it's kind of in the same vein i'm sure you read about everyone's calling her the anti-britney oh my god i actually just like how many times did you see the anti-britney in your research too many too many can i read the worst article Mm -hmm. please (laughs) i found from her it's the worst opening Ciao, Brittany. Skanks, uh, thanks for the memories, Christina. <laughs> How are you to know that come the end of 2002, the girls of America would no longer be lowering, lowering their necklines in homage to you, but instead learning how to knot a necktie? Thanks to Av- Avril Lavigne, the 18-year-old Canadian whose Let Go was the hottest debut album of 2002. Butt cheeks, dance beats, and <laughs> gleeful artifice are suddenly out while tank tops rock and real are unexpectedly back in it gets worse a dormant category female singer songwriters has returned excuse me um (laughs) where did they go (laughs) um 
anyway it's about how female singer songwriters like went away at some point which to the female singer songwriters i'm sorry (laughs) but i don't know it's it's just so interesting that like the industry can't can't exist where there's like britney and christina and that's good and there's avril and that's good it's like they have to be put against each other Mm -hmm. there's there can only be really one like woman (laughs) like they have to be I don't know, somehow in opposition because they're different. It's very, very silly. Well, everyone's like looking to put someone into a box, right? They want to be able to like clearly define and label what they are and what they're about. And they leave absolutely no room for like nuance or like that maybe people can be two things at once. Like there's a crazy notion. And again, you have that. This is a different article. It's a different author. This one's a man. But the fact that he says suddenly real is back in. Again, the fact that she's, you know, the every woman because she's not Brittany or Christina. I I reject it. Let's go dive into the music. <laughs> I didn't mean to say let's go, but her, her debut album is called Let Go in 2002. Um, it's the best-selling album in the 21st century by a Canadian artist. It's a huge hit. Um, the singles you would know are, of course, Complicated and Skater Boy. Um, and this is really, this is when she kind of jumps on the scene and she's called the pop punk princess or pop punk queen. Everybody starts giving her those labels. Did you own this album? I did not. I did not own this album. Is that crazy? I know. I, th- I think it is like a little weird. Everyone had it. I like me. destroyed it. Like I, you, it's like ruined. <laughs> you like played it too much. I played it. You know how the, the CDs had like the lyrics too on the inner. Yeah, yeah. Lap. I like that was like ripped out and destroyed because I was always reading the lyrics because they meant something to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I guess I would have been seven when this came out, but I listened to it for like many years. Yeah. Um, after two thousand and two. To be honest, like, I mean, they're obviously huge songs that everybody knew the words to. I mean, like, I wasn't really an Avril Lavigne fan, and I know all the words to Skater Boy, you know. A lot of people did Skater Boy at air bands growing up. Well, it lends itself well to an it's, air band. Yes. You can't it's blame a real, It's a great air band song. <laughs> it's a very good air band song. But about Under My Skin is her next album. Also a huge commercial and critical success, although not quite, maybe not quite at the, the peak that Let It Go mm-hmm. was. Did you, I didn't, I didn't prefer this one as much. Were there songs that spoke to you from this album? There's one in particular that I can't remember the name of that I know you're going to say though. So I'll hold my tongue. Uh, the songs that come, that really stand out to me, I think that Don't Tell Me is the lead single. Um, my Happy Ending certainly <laughs> spoke to me. Uh, Nobody's Home. Oh Yeah rather sad one I think but yeah a a great song um and it's it's kind of during this time I think in 2004 we should say that she also co-wrote the song Breakaway which is a a Kelly Clarkson song I was very fond of at the time oh my god I was obsessed (laughs) with Breakaway like this was the one for me when I found out that April um April Levine Avril Levine wrote it I was like low-key so impressed because um Princess Diaries 2 was a very important movie um for me 
and also I had the sound. Sorry, did you mean Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement? Is that what you yes, meant? Yes, yes, that's exactly Sorry. what I meant. Back in the days where you would have the soundtrack for movies and the soundtracks were really important. And um, I don't, this was, frankly, I was obviously on it and I just, the, what Avril Lavigne's first album was to you, Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement soundtrack was to me. Okay. Thank you for putting yeah. it in the frame that makes sense to me. <laughs> In 2006, she wrote uh, that song you you referred to, Keep Holding On. Sorry, can I just say something about Under My Skin? While you were reading the song list, they're like the most angsty songs like Mm. ever. Like I feel like that's what she turns it up. Yeah, like some of her like deepest angst. And she wrote um, that we referred to this earlier, a song called Keep Holding On, um, which is from the, the film Aragon which I don't know how the film did, but it's a great song um, and, and not an easy song. And, and Liv is going to, are you going to sing this one for us? No. I'll, I'll do all, I'll, I'll, I'll find the angstiest, least expected musical theater ones and turn Avril Lavigne into a musical. Next we have. Um, Wait, so she also, she also did some acting in, uh, during this period. Yes. Tell us about the acting. Well, she had various kind of like cameos um, uh, in Fast Food Nation, but I thought her like the most interesting thing was that she was um, the voice of an animated character in Over the Hedge, which I thought was like just like kind of cool. And people like it seemed that she did a pretty good job on it. Like people seemed fairly positive about it. Yeah. Or at least not horribly negative. (laughs) She plays Heather in Over the Hedge. Heather is a possum, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. I actually wasn't sure what when I watched the clip. I think more um, musicians or more singers should be voice actors. I think that's great. I'm sure Celine could do a really good job. Oh, she'd be amazing. Well, yeah. she'd be amazing at everything. Next album we get is Best Damn Thing, which comes out in 2007. You probably remember Best Damn Thing and the song Girlfriend. Yeah. Girlfriend really like swept the nation, you know? Yeah. The world. It was super duper poppy. Um, I was really into it. Yeah, I remember this is. It's hey, hey, you, you. I don't like your girlfriend. Oh, you don't need to remind me. <laughs> I know it well. I was just going to say, I feel like there was a version of Girlfriend that also was very popular that was in like Japanese, that was in like a different language. I might be misremembering the language, but I remember it there being a version where it was in a different language that was also very popular. It was recorded in Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, German, Japanese, and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So one of them. It was the most downloaded track worldwide in 2007, supposedly. Yes, I I believe that. Oh, the other song on that album, um, When You're Gone, also a great song. Yeah. So also interesting about this particular album is that it caused a little bit of controversy in Malaysia uh, because she uh, her show was almost banned um, in Kuala Lumpur because apparently she her her moves on stage were too sexy. So, um, you know, the Malaysians were outraged. Well, not actually the Malaysians, but a particular um islamic opposition party in malaysia however it was not it was not banned in the end and it went ahead um and on and everything was okay but i thought that was kind of interesting that she was part of that controversy certainly 
Okay, what I think is interesting. Okay, so in 2008, Levine comes out with a clothing line. It's called Abby Dawn. Um, but it's like it's like a preteen vibe at Kohl's. Um, and it's like, you know, her signature style. There's like skulls and like the prints and the hot pinks and blacks. Like that's the vibe. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting because she did have such um, – an aesthetic that it it made sense to me that it, that would she would design her own clothing line because I'm sure that there was a lot of um, clothing that was inspired by her so it made sense to me that she would kind of do it herself because I think I mean like I don't know really anything about the fashion industry at that time but I do feel like she kind of came with her own thing that didn't really exist and that people wanted to buy into because she was wearing it yeah I don't remember like were people wearing all that kind of stuff at that time like when I think of all this the skulls the spiky belts the eyeliner the pin straight hair like that whole the baggy pants the low-rise baggy pants like that to me I think Avril Lavigne but is yeah. that like is she the creator is she is you know is art imitating life here like I don't know um I mean like she make she I mean she certainly didn't create that but I don't think that I don't think that women probably saw themselves in that kind of like wearing that kind of fashion and 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 I mean that certainly was never mainstream before Avril Lavigne yeah like there was nobody else who was like I think a prominent tomboy let's say at that time because we're not problematizing (laughs) that word but yes but like you know what I mean who like for I feel like that's a good word to like emphasize what I'm trying to get at and she calls herself that too she does yeah if I'm not yeah yeah she does but like I think of like Hillary Duff as being like someone I was really into at that period who was like kind of like similar age to her and she was doing like the low-rise jeans the kind of like double shirts that were very popular the long you mean do you mean the long sleeve under the short sleeve um, yeah, but sometimes the the short sleeve on top Under of the, the short sleeve, yeah, like it was, yeah. it worked, it worked really with any two tops. Um, but as yeah, long like as there I, were two tops, as long as there were two tops, and oftentimes two bottoms, right? Like you had like a little skirt over top of jeans. It was all about the layers. I never bought into that. Yeah. Well, we weren't like I felt like only like the really the celebrities could really do that because otherwise you like literally looked so weird. But I, I was am, I am seeing the skirt over the jeans now actually. Yeah, say that. I was um I was actually really into like the shorts over the leggings. I was like very experimental as um as a child. Wow, I, I really took a lot of fashion risks. I was very experimental as a child. My mom would attest to that. She was like, she like literally would be like, you'd come down for school and just wearing like the most ridiculous, crazy outfits. I'm best known for this like pink fur coat I used to wear to school. Yep. Making that's an impact. More, but that's probably more Hillary Duff inspired than yeah, Levine, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I was more the Hillary Duff stan, you know? I think I think that I probably never would have also, you know, being raised as a, I don't know, Irish Catholic church going girl. I don't think I ever would have worn any of that stuff if Avril hadn't made it like mainstream. Hmm. Like, I don't think, I think she gave me uh, 
permission. She kind of gave me permission. She created the permission structure. That's funny. For eyeliner. Okay. Um, should we talk about boys? Let's do it. Let's talk about boys. Uh, as we know, in 2006, Avril Lavigne married Derek Wibley. Why yeah. Wibley? Also funny. I was like, who's Derek? And then... <laughs> Because I only I obviously knew that she dated this guy from Sum 41, but that's like all I knew him by as like was the guy from Sum 41. I didn't actually oh, know yeah. his name. <laughs> I never knew his name. I knew she dated Sum 41. Yeah. Sum 41, for those who don't know, a very famous Canadian band. I there was a time where people were like, I could not get away from In Too Deep. Like people still play that song all the time she's just gonna ask you what their big song was because i obviously knew some 41 but i was like okay what what actually was their song you know how there's like a ton of like those punk bands and i get them all mixed up about who sang what yeah the canadian ones what's the other one simple plan some 41 um blink blink 182 i think they're american though oh i can't remember but there's another oh fuck there's another canadian one but yeah simple plan headley Headley. some 41 are the big uh, like of those guys canadian guys at the time there's another one with numbers in it that we're forgetting. Clearly, we're not a part of this scene. <laughs> um, so she marries this guy. I don't know how long it lasts, um, but but they eventually, they separate. So they got married in 2006. She filed for divorce in 2009. And their divorce was finalized in 2010. And also in 2010... She dated um, someone you may have heard of. <laughs> By his own name, Brody Jenner. Did you watch The Hills? I was not. I didn't really. I mean, obviously, I did, I did like a little bit, but not not really. But um, it, I was not a stan, but I did watch it. And all my friends watched it. I didn't really like it. I think I felt like I had to watch it because I had to like be in the know. My friends yeah, yeah. are into it. Yeah. I think this one's the one to me of her relationships that doesn't really make sense. Like her. And I don't Brody- see it. Yeah, like I, I never saw it, but they were together for like two years. They yeah, it wasn't like a really short fling. Like that, it was you know, it was more than a fling. Didn't they get tattoos together? Did they? I think so. Anyway, don't worry. If if so, we'll put a link in the description. <laughs> um, next, we meet. She, she goes really quickly, actually, from um. From mm-hmm. each relationship, there's not a huge gap. Now that I'm looking at the dates, it's interesting. It is interesting. Who does she meet next? Chad Kroger. Is it Kroger? Kroger? I don't know. See it's it. O-E, see it. right? Yeah. Oh, is this what you meant by numbers? Because he's from Nickelback? Oh. Not exactly no. numbers, but like No, kind no, of. no. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. No, okay. In July of 2012, she starts dating... Chad Kroger, the frontman of none other than Nickelback. Um, for 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 a long time, everybody's probably least favorite Canadian band, or the one that people love to make fun of the most. Really? Oh my yes, god! I, people I feel, love to make fun of Nickelback. No, I feel completely the opposite about them. I feel like people like love Nickelback. No, people make fun of Nickelback. Okay, people make fun of Nickelback. People really make fun of Nickelback. Okay, sure, but like, like people- they're such a punchline. But, like, people love it. Like, it's not a punchline if people don't love it. Because right. you have to know it to be able to, like, make it a joke, you know? Right. Yeah. 
But I, I would be honest, I think there are Americans who know them more as a punchline than a band. So they start working together. Sorry, Avril and Chad. That's his name. Start working together in March of 2012. Um, writing and recording music for Levine's fifth album. They become engaged after one month of dating. Mm-hmm. They marry. When you know, you know. When you know, you know. They Well, I don't know if they do because they got divorced. But they get married in a castle in the south of France on July 1st, 2013. On, of course, on Canada Day. They're both Canadians. They're, well, they're an iconic Canadian rock. Canadian couple. Yeah, they have to. It would be an insult to Canada not to. Um, they get divorced in 2015. Uh, she announced on Instagram, and you know what? It was a lovely post. It was I really, thought it was weird. I am gonna. I thought I'm, it was nice. I'm, but I just don't understand. Like, I never will understand why people are like, we're getting the post is about them getting divorced, and they're like, we love each other so much. We're gonna remain the best of friends. We are the best of friends, and we will continue to be forever. And I'm like, well, if you're such good friends what's wrong yeah i don't know what the pr move in well in like the conscious uncoupling when people are so like seem to be really overly positive when they're breaking up with somebody and they're announcing it maybe it's just that they just don't want people snooping around and like yeah yeah just like looking for extra gossip which is like well good luck because you're avril lavigne but but it, it was really nice um around this time she she has some you know, fairly serious health problems. Another, there's lots of like very strange, very specific similarities between our Canadian stars, but it's like Shania Twain, she also suffers from Lyme disease. She really left kind of the spotlight for about five years um, when she's diagnosed. She, she it's, it seems to have hit her really hard um, I know it, not everybody has that experience with Lyme disease. Well, I think also with her, she didn't know what it was at first, which I think like made it worse because it was like she was feeling so tired. She was having all these symptoms and she didn't know what it was. Um, and everyone, she was getting a lot of treatment and everyone was saying to her, like, we don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, she was, she started feeling really terrible when she was on tour in 2015 she was feeling like very fatigued and aching and she said that she thought she she accepted that she was going to die like she felt really really terrible she says one night she was like having trouble breathing she just started praying she accepted she was dying she felt like uh she was underwater and drowning and literally under my under her breath she said god help me keep my head above water which of course inspired a song called head above water which she released in 2018 after about a five-year hiatus another little canadian adjacent cameo um it was yolanda hadid who referred her to specialists she saw because yolanda hadid also suffered from lyme disease who is yolanda hadid do we know is the ex-wife of David Foster. She is. That's the, the sort of uh, Canadian cameo. She's the mother to, to Gigi and Bella. She's also uh, a housewife of Beverly Hills. Sorry, not just a housewife. Oh and well, again, Liv, Liv is skeptical whether they're actually like still that chummy, but she worked on this song with Chad in 2018. 
right? That's, they've been divorced for three years at this point. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not that I don't believe that they're chummy. That's not really what I'm trying to suggest. It's just like. Right. But it was easier I, to, for me to, to say that, you know? Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Um, and then since her diagnosis, she started the Avril Lavigne Foundation, which um, I don't super understand what it does, but I know that um, Wikipedia tells me that it works to bring awareness to the disease and shares resources for those suffering. There was some controversy with her with um, basically like copyright claims and some plagiarism allegations. So in 2007, Chantel Kraviazic, who is actually from Winnipeg, um, a somewhat famous Canadian singer in her own right, uh, and, you know, she wrote a lot with Avril Lavigne, said some (laughs) things about her that were um, very unflattering. She said, Avril doesn't really sit and write songs by herself or anything. Um, and she also, uh, and you know, wasn't very flattering, led people to believe that she wasn't like really responsible for writing her songs. She then, Kraviazic later apologized and said, Avril is an accomplished songwriter and it has been a pleasure to work with her. Um, but after the, the first kind of scathing review, it does kind of make you think like someone just put her up to saying the apology I don't know but it definitely raised some questions in my mind and then of course I'm not sure if you remember this but I remember hearing about this at the time that Avril released the song Girlfriend um, that there was another band who came out and accused her of stealing parts of a song called I Want to Be Your Boyfriend Um, and they ended up I think settling the lawsuit uh, and the settlement was controversial confidential so you know it's always difficult to tell and I think that this happens to artists a lot because I mean like there's only so many chord progressions there's so many some like in a pop song like there's a lot of like standard you know chords and chord progressions that you use so it's unsurprising that a lot of people like accuse each other of plagiarism but you know I think it's interesting to raise who who knows and I think she's also been accused, not just of plagiarism, but like she's been accused that she doesn't really write her own mm-hmm. stuff um, without like it being that she's stolen, just that she, well, look, she's always collaborating. Um, I, I had a hard time with this because I couldn't really verify. I think it's probably really hard to know unless you're really in the industry and really in the room. That's what makes copyright, I think, law and litigation <laughs> so complicated too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because as you say, yeah, there's only so many chord progressions um and i think that like music probably i'm so unqualified to say this but like sometimes music kind of like imprints on your brain and you kind of forget where it comes from yeah <laughs> like, i could imagine people like steal things by accident all the time but yeah but um, that's still like plagiarism but like oh, totally yeah. um but, but but it's super complicated and i think i also i do think that people say, well, look, she's always collaborating. There's always like featuring or somebody's always um, credited in her work. Like she doesn't just like sit down and write a song by herself, you know, to which I say like, it's a, it's a pretty collaborative medium, right? Like Mm -hmm. especially when you're a vocalist, like, yeah, you work with other people. um, That's pretty common. But, but I just thought I'm just, it. I, I'm disappointed to to read that too. But well, I don't like, really know what to make of it. 
be put on. I agree with you. The thing that I did that did like really strike me though was the fact that like Chantal Kraviasek was obviously someone who had written with her for years. And it seemed weird that all of a sudden she would come out and be saying such like nasty things about her so i mean like obviously they're so silenced yeah seems a little fishy to be honest. it's a little suspect and like obviously like there could be so much more going behind the curtain than than you realize right um but because like chantelle kraviasek is like has a voice on and of herself like that was for me a little bit of like a red flag i will say that fair enough there is this one quote from ian mckellen did you see it where he called her a punk chanteuse that's cute i just thought it was like so good because it reminded me of of celine yeah a punk chanteuse i'm just hearing it in his voice too yeah okay conspiracy a post grunge valkyrie with a wounded soul of a poet an explosive punacity of a canadian oh that quote was just brilliant wow okay anyway okay next we have conspiracy theory so this is really weird i i don't know i've i've I've, at at times i've loved conspiracy theories and at times i'm exhausted by them and i just think it's just so much work to like pick them apart (laughs) um and they just go so crazy but um it's you know this is like a very i don't know i don't know i'm not like a conspiracy theory expert but it's very typical where it it like starts out making a lot of sense and then it ends up in a place that makes no sense Mm -hmm. um the story goes that avril lavigne like britney uh apparently britney did this she hired a lookalike actress as a decoy for the paparazzi um and you know a real life battle of the seven potters if you will and you know, this, this the story is that her grandfather died i think in 2002 or 2003 and she did took she took it really hard it is true her grandfather died and i think she did she did really struggle after that because they were very close the story is that she died by suicide um struggling to with her grandfather's death um and that <laughs> the recording company uh, replaced her with her lookalike who's called Melissa Vandella and this has been a conspiracy theory so the, the, the conspiracy theory is that she's dead and there's a lookalike parading around as her um, and this has been rolling around on the internet since 2005 it's believed to have originated on a Brazilian fan page which I think is called Oliver Levine is dead and it was kind of revived in about 2017 when this BuzzFeed writer wrote, like, I think he tweeted about how funny it was he found it, and then it ignited it again and it like really got going again. Um, so it's funny how these things can have multiple lives like this. I think it's fascinating. Um, some of the scare quotes proof have, inc- have included just the fact that you know, on the red carpet, um, you see Levine in the beginning wearing a lot of trousers, whereas when Melissa after 2003 starts wearing more dresses and skirts. Um, God, imagine, Google, imagine. Google, Google this, you see lots of like pictures of people scrutinizing like her facial features and like, mm-hmm. um, and there's like, I saw a really weird one of 
like the, there's like a freckle on her arm and it's so funny because it's like it's the same freckle like the freckle has not changed it's in the same place like it just doesn't make any sense um people say that melissa's left clues in avril's lyrics such as the song slipped away and the proof is that the song says the day you slipped away was the day i found it won't be the same whoa you know it's like could be about any single breakup ever like or yeah. about losing anything really it could like, be about losing anything imaginable yeah um yeah it's very very strange i think with somebody like avril who it's she, like she started out so young like it only makes sense that she would undergo such significant changes to her fashion and her musical style especially as like musical tastes change and, and trying to be a, a pop musician means changing with the times right yeah um or setting or setting it but like you know yeah it's very weird i don't know what to make of it other than there's absolutely no proof for any of it there's also doesn't seem to be any proof that um melissa vandela exists i think she has an imdb page which is like i don't know if these okay this- made it but it seems like she's not even real Okay, but, like, this for me is, like, a a misnomer because, like, of course, if there really had been this elaborate ruse, the record company would have covered their tracks and made her, like, disappear. You know what I mean? Like, so, I don't know. Like, this whole thing to me is, like, complete nonsense because, like, first of all, it seems like every single, um, like – source comes from the same um brazilian like fan page blog like it all comes from the same source and i believe that that blog uh blogger came forward and said completely a lie i just wrote it to prove how easy it is to um like disseminate false information and so like if all the source material is coming from this one guy who said it's not true like and like that on top of it is like everything that i've seen that's like her singing before her singing after it's so different to me it's exactly the same it's the exact same so like i just haven't seen first of all like i think we can basically debunk it on the fact that like it's all coming from one guy in brazil who said well, it wasn't doesn't make true. sense like obviously, but then it we're also not actually yeah like we're actually engaging with it we're actively making fun of it i would also say like i have to say like wouldn't the record label make more money her after she's dead because she'd be like a 27 club even younger type um artist. yeah i like, mean honestly I- she might have become more famous in death if she were to actually die that young like would their best would they not have vested interest in her dying maybe i don't know no i don't know i mean it's difficult like i think that it's the idea that they would like get keep this going that they would like invest money for this crazy ruse like does that not seem insane to you no that that is the only thing about this that seems reasonable to me like serious yeah because record companies are completely like in the business of making money and if they find a way or they think that they find a way to like sustain um making money like they just have so many resources at the palm of their hand that like i think that they could do crazy things do i think that they did this no are they still that powerful though today well maybe not today but certainly in like 2003 i think that they they could have been capable of that absolutely do i think that they did that no but i think 
like I think that there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that would like completely shock you and be like so crazy you know I I don't know all right well we'll cut my point about that then because that's kind of dumb then I don't Um, I mean listen this is all speculation like I I don't know but I just don't I don't think that's the crazy part I think the story is the crazy part okay um we'll take a, a short pit stop in in racism in 2014 she released a song and video called Hello Kitty. It's pretty hard to describe. It's pretty obviously racist and a bit insane. I have no idea how it got greenlit and I do hold her accountable for it. I don't really have any thoughts, any other thoughts about it than that. Liv, do you have anything? Well, I, she did try to defend herself by saying like it was um, completely like directed and coordinated by Japanese people Mm -hmm. I what the one thing that I did find interesting and I wasn't able to like substantiate but I wondered the people who seemed most offended by it were not necessarily Japanese people and so I wondered if that that they were such huge fans of her that they were kind of sanctioning this because I'm like surely somebody thought that this was a good idea just can't imagine who they were no, I know. But it's like, I, I think we also have to leave space that like the culture in Japan is different. So I was kind of waiting for the Japanese to say that they didn't like it. And I feel like all I heard were like white Americans saying that they didn't like it. Do you know Fair what enough. I mean? Yeah. So I it's was kind of like. not for us to, uh, I, I don't the know. arbitrators of this, but. Yeah. Like I, I just was like, <sighs> the, col- the culture is different and I, and I will want to hear from them before I like say what i think about it you know mm-hmm. i just because have... like can i just say because like i really think that that the that uh girlfriend song was in was in japanese and they were dying for it and i just think that they really loved her you know <laughs> like i think that there was this like there's probably this relationship with her in japan that we just like don't know anything about you know yeah that's fair enough that's all we i want to talk influence and legacy she made a huge cultural impact on that that time in history there's no doubt right like everyone was dressing like her everyone wanted to be her um everyone knew her music so much of her music has lived on like far past um like that time period i think that she's become i mean she obviously disappeared for a period of time she obviously got like sick you know like there there was a a lot of that but it seems like her newer stuff hasn't landed as much and I wonder if it's like I I, like she obviously became this huge thing that's going to help her legacy live on forever but I wonder if she's going to be able to have um like another big moment like ever again um and if she's going to be able to like be in the like mainstream consciousness for like a for a new album I, I don't know if it's going to happen for her again i'm not sure if it's going to happen for her again um but i i do think her impact on popular music is you know is is pretty clearly pretty significant i think you can chart a line from a lot of female artists and um today a lot of and there's a lot of women who claim her um billy eilish yeah <laughs> talks about her even though billy eilish seems a bit young to be into avril lavigne like because she's younger than us but um I think you don't really have Haley Williams if you don't have Avril Lavigne. And Haley Williams also says that you don't have Haley Williams, Haley mm-hmm. Williams if you don't have Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Um, I, I forget 
what publication, but she said, I don't think I would have been signed if Avril hadn't happened. All of a sudden I was in New York playing to LA Reed, which of course is the same person who, you know, quotations discovered Avril. Um, I love, I do think that, I don't know if it, if it ignited how many women this like ignited this interest in guitar in, but like guitar is such a masculine instrument and it's like just it's been so male for so long. And I love like the image of her playing guitar. I don't think I actually picked up a guitar because of her, but I definitely wanted to, especially electric guitar has been so male for so long. I think, um, I, I think she probably encouraged a lot of women to play guitar, which is awesome. <laughs> um, my friend Sarah says, when I was young, I loved that she was an alternative icon, but was still cool and mainstream. I personally never related to Britney Spears or Destiny Child, but Avril was built on altness. I also liked the idea of getting discovered in a church choir. Made it seem like being a star was her destiny and maybe mine too. But, <laughs> and I know I made fun of all these outlets talking about her just because she wasn't Britney or Christina, that she was somehow normal. But I, I do think that despite being like alternative, she was, she is relatable. I feel watching interviews with her, I feel like I can know her. And maybe that's because she's a Canadian girl from a small town, but, but I do, I do think that Avril Lavigne, yeah, gave, gave women, um, gave young women our age, especially someone who wasn't maybe so traditionally feminine or wasn't like exhibiting the kind of femininity that was shoved down our throats at all times during that time period and showed us a different version. I think she gave some young women a license to be a little bit angsty and misbehave a little bit, which is interesting. Um, clearly, I love Avril Lavigne. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting take. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess she wasn't really that for me, so I can't really relate but i see that i see that for you okay i see you're not super into it but um no i think it's good i think it's good okay there's also of course the controversy people much like people said shania wasn't country because she was pop country people also mm -hmm. say avril isn't punk because she's pop punk um and avril doesn't claim punkness either as like as much as you would think um, and there's a lot of like exclusivity for who gets to call what punk, um, which does feel pretty male and gendered to me, but, um, obviously I don't come from, from that scene or subculture. I don't know. I yeah, think I, she yeah. was like, she definitely, I think she probably made alternative a little bit more comfortable for like young women our age growing up. She did for me for sure. Yeah, but also, like, when I think about, like, who is punk at that time, I mean, if we're calling, like, some 41 simple plan punk, she certainly was that, you know, like, she fit, like, exactly the same, like, she was doing the same thing that, that they were. Gracie said, personally, I loved Avril, especially her second album, but as a child, I was afraid to go to her concert because I thought there would be punks there. That's why I went to Hillary Duff instead, but I really love that she was a tomboy. That's funny. Who said that? I was like, I, Gracie. But I, that kind of made me think of you. Like, I feel like you would be, like, scared of punks. Yeah. I would have had no interest in going to Avril Lavigne's concerts. But um, I did, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to go. 
if you want to tell us what Avril Lavigne meant to you, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> Tweet at us and or send us an Instagram DM or comment on our post. We're at Just Watch Me Pod. And if you feel completely compelled that you have an absolute essay to write us, send us an email. Just Watch Me Podcast. Send us an email at gmail.com and don't forget to leave us a review about how funny and smart and entertaining we are make sure it's five stars on apple podcasts and we cannot wait to see you back next week we've got a very exciting guest coming on thanks see you next week Hi, I'm Julia. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we host a podcast called Not Nice. Not Nice. We are two women and we are both Asian and we're, we're Asian. both Canadian-ish. And all those things add up to nice. Caroline, what's our podcast about? Our podcast is about being not nice, but in all the ways that defy what you want nice to be. Yes. It's not about being rude or being an asshole. It's about being honest and unapologetically yourself. It's about being complex and nuanced in how you see the world. It's a brand. It's a concept. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's a negation. Yeah. And really not giving a fuck. Because let's face it, nice feels a little bit like an insult in how basic it is. Do you want to be called nice? Nice is boring. No offense. So on our show, we talk about things like the Fempowerment Hotel, Hotel Xena. Or AOC's Vanity Fair cover. Mm. And so many other things in culture that are trying to push the boundaries of what is acceptable and what is not. Yes. We talk about those things. So subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're called Not Nice with Julia Bennett Chan and Caroline Long. And we release episodes every Tuesday. So, you know, we can say things like, see you next Tuesday at the end of every episode. <laughs> see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>